Welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Happy April. Welcome back to Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death, the podcast that explores the history of horror movies through the eyes of someone who knows what they're talking about and someone who doesn't. I'm the girlfriend, and I'm kind of clueless. I'm Cindy. (laughs) Just in horror movies. And again... Like, at this point, you've seen more horror movies than most He always defends have. it. That's a thing. Well. Um, I'm just going to do a quick check-in with everyone. Mm-hmm. So, at this point, we're recording this back in March. You're hearing us from the yep, past. Yeah, the past. Ooh, exciting. Uh, that being said, I, <laughs> I've got a crazy sinus thing going on. He's not feeling I too I feel hot. like someone's twisting my head off my shoulders. I'm not. I'm stressed out with school. Mm-hmm. I've got a trip to Washington, D.C. coming up. I've got mm-hmm. a lot on my plate, but I am so excited. For April? To talk about today's movie. <laughs> okay, well. All of that is not slow me down. You get a few minutes off. So, first off, every month we pick a topic. Last month was Lovecraft. What is this month? This month is Lovecraft as adapted by other people. <laughs> Isn't that what last week was? No, 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 no. So, the last month was all adaptations of Lovecraft's work. Okay. This is people that have taken Lovecraft's themes and, and made their own it? stuff with it. Okay. So, what are so we starting to do? I did a bad with? job explaining that. That's um, okay. So, this is. The story of a girl. <laughs> yeah. So if last month was, hey, these are Lovecraft adaptations, this month is, hey, these are filmmakers who were inspired by Lovecraft who made something totally different, but with a lot of the same tools, and the movies this month are gonna be better. Okay. What do you mean by going to be better? Well, for starters, I get to say a name that I've waited three years to say on this podcast. Three years? Because um, April 1st would be our three-year anniversary of doing the show. Aww. Um, How sweet. We are, I believe, this is episode 99, which means next week's would be 100. Bum, bum, bum. So I have specifically danced around this person for three years because I wanted to do something special with them, and we're going to do back-to-back movies from them. And that name, that man... Is. That myth, that legend, is John Carpenter. <laughs> well, we've done John Carpenter month and John... No, we never did John Carpenter. I thought we did. We have never done John Carpenter. Oh, no. Okay. Yep. Um, my stepdad, John Carpenter, the man who helped raise me, like him and Steven Spielberg and a few other people, basically crafted my childhood. And we get you. Aww. Um, John Carpenter. We're going to talk about him with today's movie, Prince of Darkness, released October 23rd, 1987. I guess I was trying to think if I've ever heard of this movie before. There is another horror movie called Prince of Darkness. It is the second um, Dracula movie made by Hammer. And it's from the 60s, and it is not this. Oh. Like, but there are two idea. Prince of Darknesses. This is the one from 1987. This is the John Carpenter Prince of Darkness. Well, yeah. Okay, so 1987, I would have been seven going on eight. I was math bad. Math bad. 83, 4, 5, 6, 7. Yes, I counted it on my fingers. I was five. Yay. 
five would. Oop. Five would be I'll what? Kindergarten. Um, no, for me, because I failed preschool. Oh, see so you in preschool again. I couldn't stop biting the other kids. Well. So I had to preschool twice. Use your words, not your mouth, Josh. The tip of the tongue, the teeth. <laughs> so that was my childhood. What was going on in the world in 1987? Um, Reagan was still in office. His dementia had kind of just become a national joke. This was the second to last year of Reagan. Yes. Thankfully. That's why um, I see, yeah. This mm. was the year that Iran-Contra really came to a head. But we're not even going to really talk about that. We're not. Uh, we're, instead, we're going to talk about... 1987 was the year Aretha Franklin was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, making her the first whoop, woman whoop. to be done so. Whoop, whoop. Right? Excellent. Um, U2 released their album, The Joshua Tree. Wow. The Joshua Tree. That's interesting that it's been a part of my life. Like, I'm not a big U2 fan or anything like that, but that, that album's been out for so long, for mm-hmm. most of my childhood, most yep. of my life. Um, AZT was approved for AIDS treatment. Okay. WrestleMania 3 happened. WrestleMania 3, ladies and gentlemen, in case you're keeping score at home, is the WrestleMania that the main event was Andre the Giant against Hulk Hogan, where Hulk Hogan's named Andre the Giant. And that's the marquee title, but everyone knows that the best match of that night, and maybe the best match in WWE history, was Randy Savage defending his Intercontinental title belt and losing it to Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. There you go. Okay, so... This has been WrestleMania moment. We took a little side tour, now we're back. Uh, <laughs> uh, Platoon won Best Picture that year. Okay. The Showboat Casino opened in Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reagan gave his famous Tear Down This Wall speech. Rick Astley dropped Never, Never Gonna, gonna Give, give You Away. Yep. Never Gonna Let You um, It was the year Michael Jackson's Bad was released. Oh, yeah. I remember that video was a big deal. And it was also the year that Final Fantasy, the first of the Final Fantasy series, was released on Nintendo. And it was the year of Hustler Magazine, the Fallwell, happening. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, uh, that's what the whole movie was about. The free speech, it ended with. Uh, yeah, the free speech thing. Okay, so this movie. Hold on. Oh, we're ooh, not there yet. Hold on. We still have more stuff to talk about from that year. Births, deaths. Oh, gosh. Okay. People that were born that year. Mm. Elliot Page. Okay. And if you're in your car right now, or your gym, or in your office, and you're like, Dylan Page, you can go fuck yourself. Nobody's thinking that that listens to this. Next. Uh, I'm just saying. Might be. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Zac Efron. Evan Rachel Wood. People that died that year. Liberace. (laughs) Andy Warhol. Fred Astaire. And James Baldwin. Oh, Wow. I like how you got progressively sadder. Like well, it's like a Liberace laugh all the way down. To that's, like, just my, that's just that's oh. just my my noise for Liberace. That's all I know about him. I'm I'm not old enough to know too much about Liberace other than the yeah, that weird like <laughs> like a very like hyena laugh. You should watch the Michael Douglas movie. We said that before. Fucking insane. <laughs> I was looking for something earlier. It's I insane. And. Okay, so those are births, those are deaths. Are we ready to move on to the movie? Tell me about Prince of Darkness, the well, John Carpenter flick. Prince of Darkness, like I said, came out October 23rd of that year. It is rated R. It is one hour and 42 minutes long. Woohoo! 
this movie is both written and directed by John Carpenter. However, he gave, he took the credit of Martin Quatermass for the written credit, what which is, is a character from British films that we will that he, oh, watch okay. slash talk about maybe later. Um, okay. Just so you know, like it doesn't. Open. He wrote it just under a different name. All right. In case you're keeping score at home, this falls into the Carpenter oeuvre. It goes Starman, which we watched for Valentine's Day. Remember? Okay, yeah, yeah. Then Starman was followed by Big Trouble in Little China. Okay. Big Trouble in Little China was followed by this movie. Okay. And then this movie was followed by They Live. They Live, They Live. Oh, Oh, I do like They Live. And then They Live was followed by Memoirs. Of There's not that life. many uh, John Carpenter movies I haven't seen on that list. Interesting. So We're shortening that up. Uh, um, this uh, The music for this movie was also composed by John Carpenter and Alan Howarth, who did a lot of the music with him for like Escape from New York and uh, The Thing. The cinematography was done by Gary Kibbe. It's the first time they worked together, and they would... He would shoot every Carpenter film from here until the end. Oh, j- with yeah. With the exception of um, Memoirs of an Invisible Man and his last film, The Ward. Those are the only two Gary Kibbe didn't shoot from here all the way through. John Carpenter's one of those guys who he finds somebody and he sticks with it. It works. Mm-hmm. I don't blame him. Um, and that brings us to the cast of this movie. And all we're right. We're going to talk about some people that we know. Okay. Some of them, yeah. This, this has got a fun cast. Large right. cast, but fun cast. The star, the main person, the top bill, is definitely Donald Pleasance. He plays the priest character. He's Dr. Loomis from Halloween 1, 2, 4, 5, and 6. All right. Dr. fucking Loomis. I believe we I know this name. have had him before, all the way back in our first month, because he was the detective in Deathline. Okay, yeah. Yep. Right, the little short bald guy who was That's where we get, uh, kind of a raging prick at everyone. Doors. And I love him so much. Uh, no, we've had that since that, that long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's been three years. Uh, Lisa Blount plays Catherine Danforth. She was Lynette Pomeroy in An Officer and a Gentleman. And she died in 2010, sadly. She had a lot of that health problems. That was the problems. roommate. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's I sad. believe she was living in Little Rock, Arkansas at the time. Oh. To your sister there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I got family there. You do indeed. That family is the Clintons. <laughs> that's right. Yes, I am related to them. That's so, true. No, we're not. Gross. <laughs> uh, Jameson Parker plays Brian Marsh. Do I know that name? That sounds familiar. You do. Uh, you do if you know the show Simon and Simon because he was one of the two stars of Simon and Simon. He's the one who didn't go on to be Major Dad. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Whose face is just a blur to me, so we'll see. He's kind of a dickhead in this movie. Oh, Um, that's too... that's a thing. Uh, Who else? Victor Wong. Everyone (laughs) should love and respect Victor Wong. Why? He's Professor Howard Birak. You know him better as Egg Shen from Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, then, yeah, okay. Everyone's favorite little wizard with Bell's palsy. Oh, yeah. And he was Walter Chang, the store owner in Tremors. I, you know, you my know kids those? have seen Tremors. It's been a long time since I've seen uh, Tremors. You know what's a really good time? Tremors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I understand why they made 75 sequels to it, because the first one is so much fun. 
They've never remade the original. It's, so it's always fun. just yeah. It's just sequel, sequel, sequel. Every year we get like a sequel. Um, Dennis Dunn. He Dennis plays Dunn. Walter. D-D. Yeah, he was Wang Chi, and Big Trouble Little China. He that was, was the Kurt with the plaid. He was like the Kurt Russell's friend who got the whole plot kicked off. Oh, okay. I, I went back. He owned the restaurant. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, the guy who was capable as opposed to Kurt Russell's. The guy whose fiance they're yeah. trying to get back. Yeah, yeah. That's him. He is ridiculous and so much fun in this movie. I love him. He's I love a little Dennis ridiculous Dunn. and so much fun in that. I don't know why Dennis Dunn didn't have a bigger career, other than the fact that Hollywood's pretty racist. Pretty racist. Uh, I threw in a couple names. Oh, first let's do this. So the other person I want to talk about is Peter Jason. He's Dr. Uh, Paul Leahy. His name is two front names. He was Gilbert and They Live, the guy who organized the whole underground. Okay. He's in a lot of John Carpenter movies, but this is the first one. Like like I said, John Carpenter finds somebody sticks with it. Yeah, he tends to... Stuart Gordon was the same way. They tended to use the same people over and over again. Mm -hmm. You know, like why... Why? When, why? You, when you have a shorthand with someone, why not use that? Yep. Work right. smarter, not harder. Um, and then there's two people that are in this movie. Like I said, there's a huge amount of people in this movie, but there's two names I want to point out because I think they're fun, even though they're in small roles. All right. Who are they? So there's a, a, a guy named Dirk Blocker who plays a character in this movie named Mullins, who is in Poltergeist, but he is Hitchcock in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> Okay, okay, I do know him then. <laughs> he is we in went, this we movie. We went in and out of that one. He is in this movie. A much younger version yeah. of himself. Um, that's, a, that's a thing. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then lastly. And not leastly. He's actually built towards the bottom because it's basically just a glorified cameo. Who is it? Alice Cooper. Cooper. <gasps> I was just kidding, but okay. Mm-hmm. He plays a character called the Street Schizo. He okay. actually met John Carpenter at a WrestleMania. Nice. Uh, what a fun meet. Yeah. Carpenter was talking to him, and Alice Cooper purportedly wanted to just come to see one of his movies be shot. He's like, can I just come and like spend a day or two and just kind of see how you do certain things? Because I think and Alice John Cooper Carpenter was, was like, yeah. gas, grass, or ass, nobody rides for free, buddy. You're going to be in this damn movie. Well, I think Carpenter saw a in a way to put something else in the movie that would bring it to a wider audience. Like, like oh shit, Alice Cooper's in this movie. But I think Alice Cooper was at one point wanting to direct a movie, which Mm. I would like to have seen what that movie would have He still can. He's still kicking. I mean, his stage show was basically like a movie. Yes. But... Very much so. Very theatrical. Do you know the whole thing about Alice Cooper and his stage show and how that came about? Mm. Like, just a weird aside. Just... Well, isn't it something... So I know that Alice Cooper actually has like his PhD in, I want to say American history, and like he loves golf and he's like this really smart guy. So I have a feeling it's because his name is Alice. Somebody said no one's going to believe you're a rocker unless like you're right. No, I I like your deductive reasoning skills. I like where you're going with that. But that's not the story. But that's not the Morning story. Glory. So. If I'm remembering it correctly, Alice Cooper was really good friends with Frank Zappa. Like, really good friends. Okay, that would probably check out. And they shared a babysitter. Like, the same lady that would babysit the Zappas would babysit his kids. And 
she is the one who designed a lot of his first stage stuff. Okay, so... In her free time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he just liked it and went with it. Nice. So, yeah, that's where it came. Like, it was Frank Zappa was like, you need to have a big stage show. Like a big like, presence. You're big. You need a big stage show. Because like, that's what Zappa was known for. Like, yes. You know, you could hear the album, but when you went and saw him, it was, it was like a tornado right. on stage. It was very visual. So that's where it came from. Like, his costumes and stuff were originally designed by... The Zappa's baby. Very center. cool. That's a weird thing. That's a little go. tie-in. Yep. Do you have a poster to hold, show? Hold on, me? let me throw you some trivia about this movie Ooh, real fast. Okay, yeah. Um, this is the second of Carpenter's Apocalypse trilogy. Two. Okay, this is my first. So the first one is the the thing, which we are not watching this week or this month. Okay. Which I know people were like, oh. I thought that episodes. was yeah. I thought that was going to be on the hundredth. Nope. We're saving it. All right, we're saving, we're saving it, special. guys. I didn't know that. So, um, and the roles of the the roles that were played by Donald Pleasance, Victor Wong, and Dennis Dunn were written specifically for them. Carpenter worked with them. He liked them. He wrote the roles towards their strengths, and then okay. let them have a lot of leeway with what they did with their character. And this was Carpenter's first independent film since 1981's Escape from New York. Like, Big Trouble in Little China did not do great. <laughs> it's a cult. Um, it took a while to a, sink in. Most of Carpenter's stuff did not do great. And then <laughs> at like three or four, five, six years after it came out, it, people were like, so that's like the greatest movie ever, right? Especially easier. But when they first came out, not so much. Not so much. For a lot of them, so he wanted to have something they have more control over, and he basically had total control over this movie. All right, so this is going to be a pure Carpenter film. This is going to be uh, yeah, pure the, and unfiltered. It, the same with um, They Live. We did They Live a long time ago. Okay, so this is the part where I look at a poster and try to the meaning. All right, we've got day glow colors again. That's a thing. Before man walked the earth, it slept for centuries. It is evil. It is real. It is awakening. So it's a guy's face slowly being sucked into like a door. Also, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with like this is kind of like in the Buffy thing. There's the first evil, the first, and uh, the first evil. And so when this guy goes to do, I'm going to say Fountain of Youth, because we're talking about Lovecraft, uh, he accidentally discovers or reawakens the first evil done to mankind. And it's like a Pandora's box that just keeps going. That's my thought. Okay. Okay. I think you're not quite right, but... Okay, but I'm on the... All right. Well, this seems to be a pretty popular movie, so I'm sure it's available in a lot of different places and formats. Definitely on Amazon. We probably have a Blu-ray or a box set, I'm sure. Um, Pick your poison. So I own this movie on VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, or 4K. What would you prefer to watch this I told you. What did I say? All right. Well, (laughs) off we go then. So uh, join us, won't you? Mind the doors. John Carpenter for life. Anyone in close proximity has the same dream. 
What is it? A secret that can no longer be kept. It started a month ago. What started? A change in the earth and the sky. His power. There's a weird locking mechanism. Looks like it can only be opened from the inside. A life form is growing out of prebiotic fluid. It's not winding down into disorder. It's self-organizing. It's becoming something. What? Hey guys, welcome back from watching Prince of Darkness. Did you watch along? What did you think? Hmm? <laughs> I thought this was like Big Trouble in Little China, part two. We've got really smart old Asian man. With, you know, Played by same, the same character. The same character, <laughs> yeah. That's all. Uh, well, Dennis Dunn's also in this. He's in Big Trouble in Little China. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. Yeah. Did, well, did, you, <laughs> did you enjoy the movie where liquid space... Son of Satan. I like squirts it, in people's mouths. I liked the ectoplasm, the reverse mm -hmm. dripping. That was kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Uh, it Welcome was to science and horror. Science and horror, and John Carpenter, and a lot of electro synth pop. Well, let's dive right in, Cindy. Do you want to try to explain the plot of this movie? Uh, it turns out that the Vatican has been holding on to all evil. In the basement of a church in, like, Detroit, was it? No, it's L.A. L.A. Compton, yeah. And the newest priest who's been a, who's supposed to be taking care of it instead is like, oh, shit, it's coming back. And uh, gets a bunch of college students who are studying various old things to come and figure out what's going on. And long story short, they all die. <laughs> a lot of... Uh, a lot of quantum theorists well there and was a lot of one one woman was studying ancient languages another one was like ancient religion whatever like just old stuff old, old things old things studying old things what does imdb say probably <laughs> not as roundabout um, and they uh, have a, as a group of graduate students and scientists uncover an ancient canister in an abandoned church but when they open the container which is wrong because the container so, opens itself yeah they inadvertently unleash a strange liquid and an evil force on all humanity. So basically, listener, if you didn't that watch this wrong. movie, let me just say that a container of liquid space Satan... That looks like... The anti-god particle Satan thing that looks like a swirling... It looks like ectoplasm well, from Ghostbusters. I was going to say it looks like ecto-cooler. It's like a Ooh, swirling yes. jar of ecto-cooler. Fair. Um escapes in liquid form and pisses in a girl's <laughs> mouth possessing her Fair. and then she continues to either puke or spit into other people's mouths right. hence 
possessing them. Yeah, that's right. I'm keep, just gonna say this movie going, is going. fucking crazy. Yeah, and it has literally everything. We have <laughs> demonic possessions. Correct. Check dreams that serve as a gateway, a warning, and possibly time travel. Check. Check. Reanimated dead people. Check. Check. Infectious evil. Check. Check. Hordes of insects. Check. Yeah, let's not talk about the hordes of Uh, ants that freaked me the hell out. Go ahead. Stigmata. Check. Check. And the Antichrist. Check. Check. (laughs) Doubly check. Just check. This movie literally has it all. It freaked me. They had a lot of jump scares. Um, I think three. It got me three times. That I was like, ah, really taken aback. Yeah. Um, Maybe four. I'm just, before we kind of get into the meat and potatoes of this movie, I just want to say, because I know he's listening, I hardcore associate Jason Jones with this movie in my head. Um, <laughs> Why? And it's not because this is, this is not his favorite Carpenter film. But everyone's got like a Carpenter movie. Right. When you're a big fan. Like, there's the big ones. There's, like, the obvious ones that Halloween. people are like, oh, Halloween, The Thing, those are great. But then the, you've always got, like, one or two that you really love that you're like, they should be higher on everyone's list. And this is one for Jason Jones. I like this movie. I like They Live More. He's a really big supporter of this movie. I truly feel as though, yeah, you, you could say that about every movie. Like, yeah. this movie reminds me of Jason Jones on this way. <laughs> but I, I think it, you know... That, that being said, and talking about They Live, I think there's definitely a thematic connection to They Live. Because where They Live okay. is about the poor and underclass rebelling against their, like, overlords. Right. This movie is basically about how the poor uh, have been weaponized or used as a tool by a form of religion against science, oh, scientists the, yeah. and, like, classical right. religious thinking. Right, how, and I think that's something that's aged better. <laughs> like, you look at where we're at now in society, where right. people are like, well, I believe in Jesus. And it's like, well, you know, Jesus was actually against everything you're talking about right now. And they're like, not my Jesus. <laughs> he drove a four-wheeler and carried a shotgun and hated poor people. And like it's like, Talladega Nights, yeah. So, to me, that really screams... An element of this movie. I think it's part of it. I think it's a big part because if you think about it, I thought there's liquid. There's liquid space Satan, Mm -hmm. clearly major bad guy of the movie, and then he or she, which we'll talk about that in a second, possesses all these people. But outside, the threat that's keeping them in the church are homeless people, like hordes of homeless people that are being controlled, that are being manipulated by this presence. Right? It doesn't seem to affect the non-homeless, mm-hmm. i.e. the scientists. Okay. Oh, okay. It's reached out and it, they even say, like, he can control the smaller, like, the simpler things. Which there is was a lot. Of, you had to listen to a lot of... the simpler things include yeah. the homeless. <laughs> but the fact that, like, you have all these homeless people or low-income people and then they are physically attacking scientists right and like rational thought is very telling about probably where we were when this movie came out but definitely where we are now i think uh well i think that's a big staple in these lovecraft movies as well as you know the difference between what's rational and what's real 
and then kind of saying, well, no, this is reality versus this is what's rational, mm-hmm. and that they're not they're not media. I don't know if that's a John Carpenter thing or a Lovecraft thing or a little bit of both. A, a bit of both. I will say, no disrespect to the Void. Oh, this, movie's, this movie is better. <laughs> um, and the Void kind of kind of took some. I remember when we watched the Void, and I said, yeah, the ending of this movie is basically the ending of John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. I'm looking to see where I put The Void on my list last time. Um, I think it was towards the bottom. I think it was as well. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, I will say... Please do. The connection to Lovecraft comes from the old gods being banished and then returning. That's mm-hmm. a very Lovecraftian theme. Like, this ancient thing that's waking up and then changing everything around it by its very nature of existence is very Lovecraftian, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. Another thing I wanted to talk to you about... Please. Is... <laughs> Point of this podcast, we, Yeah, we talked about... I, I mentioned it there for a second, is when the Antichrist juice is loose... <laughs> And starts <laughs> and starts possessing people. Did you like that? I did. And starts possessing people. It's it's almost exclusively women at first. It is well. And the women transformations are not terrifying, and they're not overly painful. Like throughout the movie, all of the men that are possessed are either murdered violently first, correct, or upon their transformation, seem very sad or frustrated. Yeah. Right, like okay. I think Peter Jason, when he is transformed, he's like walking around being like, Ugh. oh, like, yeah, he's yeah. so like sad. He's like, I don't want to be one of these. Oh my goodness, this movie was. But all the women else. are just like cool with it. Well, and, hmm, they're not cool with it. I mean, you know I'm saying like they're they're walking around like cool as a cucumber, except like, at the end, murder faces on, getting well, thrown was, out tr- windows. Wasn't he trying to get one of them? Pregnant? Was that one of the things? No, I don't think so. Well, at the end, I mean, she just looked so big and puffed well, up. Well, she, like, so when all the liquid went in her, right. she got, like, poofy from the liquid. I guess maybe that's And then it redistributed, of. and then her skin got all gross. Ugh, that's right. So, but, like, Ugh. all of the women that just walk around, like... Except at the end. Low-key, just being like, fuck you, fuck this, I don't care. <laughs> you know, being bosses. Like, right. being, like, the give no fucks bad guys but like all the guys are either like so his neck was snapped so his head's all weird now or he's Whoa. walking around going like he's crying and petting yeah. himself in the mirror yeah Ooh. it's it's very odd is that a john carpenter thing so i know in halloween the protagonist is a female yeah, think, as well well i think it's but it's not in so big carpenter, china so. carpenter talked about thinking that most horror movies by this point in time are very derivative like, oh, they're very paint by numbers. Like, so that's why he said, fuck it, let's do science. Let's build it on dread. Let's, okay. you know, all of the, all the people that are, like, killed are men. Like, he kind of, like, subverted all of the traditional horror tropes. And as a response, no one saw this movie in the theater. Okay, so it was definitely, <laughs> like, a flop. Yeah. I mean, it made a ton of money. In, the... in rentals. <laughs> in, like, VHS rentals. Gotcha. But, yeah. It was not a box office bang. Yeah, it's so weird, because let's just take a second to talk about John Carpenter. That's, please, let's do. Um, so, Carpenter came out swinging. So, he did Dark Star, which is, like, a student film, and it's it's okay. And then he did Assault on Precinct 13, which 
is like a really good movie. And that's what you've said people can usually consider his first yeah, movie. Yeah, basically. Okay. And then he did fucking Halloween. Yeah. Right? And then after... Totally redefined his genre. Yeah, after Halloween, he just went through like a series of hits. Like he did The Fog. He did Escape from New York. Like, dude was riding super high. And then he got a major studio picture with Universal to do The Thing. And we talk about The Thing as being this like classic it's personally my favorite horror film of all time i talk about it that way all the time but it bombed big time when it came out never seen it fucked his career up okay like so that that was the hiccup he had to scramble and go back to doing like smaller movies and then he kind of you know doing like christine which was a hit and starman which we saw he slowly built his reputation back up and then he got to do another big studio film for Fox, a little gem called Big Trouble in Little China, Yay. which was supposed to be like a summer mega blockbuster, and it bombed. It was, you know, yeah. Um, and we know that it is now considered a classic. So this was like his return to super or, tiny filmmaking. Like This is super tiny? Yeah. Wow. If you see, I want you to think about it for a second. It kind of is. Like, there's only basically like two locations. There's the church, and then there's the college. Yeah. And, right? well, and most of it takes place in like that weird little basement area. Yeah, which was like a, a converted ballroom that mm-hmm. they turned into a soundstage. Like, there's no major stars in this movie. This could have all been done on a set. He, he just worked with, like, Kurt Russell and Big Trouble in China and Kim Cattrall. And this, all of the stars were either people he worked with in the past or for, were from TV. Right? Really? Like, yeah, like, um, what's his name that was in Simon and Simon? Like... This is not a very big movie. It feels big because of the ideas that are being discussed and whatnot. But, like, if you actually sit back and look at this movie, it's very small. Huh. This was basically him wanting full control over a movie after the debacle that is... It got too big for him. Big Trouble in Little China, which I think is phenomenal. It is one of our favorites. Uh, Does this movie fit into the archive formula? If we were to if we were to apply that, oh my lips are not warmed up. We typically we're you know Lovecraft doesn't, but John Carpenter sometimes does. Yes, no thoughts. Um, I think you probably could. Okay, so if we're gonna say Samuel Zarkov with the acronym by his name, had to create a great exploitation movie. Maybe it doesn't match his name. That's why I wasn't a action. Yes. Yeah. And I'm just going to say it that... It starts with a priest dying. Yeah. yeah. The oh, the opening credits are so long. Yes. <laughs> yes, so they are. Because they spaced out through the story. But the... I think I told you, this is a good movie with a great ending. Yes. And I think if you really wow and land that ending... They it, show the ending in the trailer. But I mean, you don't know it. Yeah, you have no concept of what it is. But 100% they show the ending in the trailer. It's so fucking good. Like the double, the fake out ending where like you find out it's actually her. Yeah. And she's the thing in 1999 that comes out of the church. Yep. And then he wakes, oh my God, it's so good. Yeah, it the ending of this movie is so fucking good. It was, very, it was very cyclical. Yeah. Action 100%. 100% revolutionary. I mean. I mean, we have this, the monsters and this is based on you Lovecraft. think of another horror? Uh, you probably can't because you're not. Not me. I mean. You've seen a lot of horror movies at this point, but mm-hmm. the science aspect, right? I don't know. Yes, Like, sure. that's pretty revolutionary. The concept of, like, 
Also, the Catholic Church is getting a hold of these scientists. And applying it. Well, I didn't really take it as it was the um, Catholic Church as much as it was just that one priest who was like, no, this is fucked up. They have a Catholic priest character say that evil is a thing and not a concept and that the Catholic Church was selling it as a concept because it benefited them. Right. In order to keep people under control. I think that's super, yeah, that's, that's super controversial. That's super controversial. And was it at revolutionary? The time? Okay. Yeah, I would say this movie's revolutionary. This movie's fucking wild. Tons of killing, violent yeah. killing, blood everywhere, and green goo. Ugh. Oratory. Yeah. What are the memorable lines from this movie? Um, anything Dennis Dunn says. <laughs> okay. All of the weird things that the professor. Yeah, what was says. the thing? Uh, they just said it was because of a fear of homo... It was homoerotic fear. Oh, that seems... Um, that's Dennis Dunn. Jim, yeah. Dennis Dunn says, he's like, you know, I used to break out in hives all the time. My doctor just said it was homosexual panic. That was it. <laughs> like, this movie is Okay, oratorial take. Fantasy, yes. Yeah. Anything with monsters and Liquid crazy. space, Satan. Fornication? Not really. Not so much. There's a sex scene. There's a post-coitus scene. Okay. I, I have a hard time finding, like... Hmm. I think that horror movies in the late 80s have a lack of sexiness. Sexy times? Because I think by that time we've moved into like shoulder pads and weird hair and the 90s were looming. And I would say we, we've moved into where it's not really needed. Like hair. Uh-oh. I mean, there is a there is a sex Uh-oh. scene in this movie. There is a post-coitus. Like they're laying in bed talking after they just fucked. Right. And... and there, like, there's a whole dialogue sequence there where they're talking that he lifted from Howard Hawks, which I appreciate. Oh, his favorite director is Howard Hawks. So he Fun just fact lifted, but he gave him credit. Not really. Okay, well, it was guy. it was it was a nod. Like he basically took a dialogue scene from I forget the movie when he's like, you know, who gave you this high opinion of men? It's oh. reversed because it was a Howard. It was a Howard Hawks movie starring. Um, Humphrey okay. Bogart, and then his, yeah, and he asks a lady, or the lady asked him, like, who gave you this high opinion of women? So he oh, flipped so he it. Oh, so he flipped it. Yeah. And it was just a little, mm, those are get it, get it. If you know, you know. That's Give me thing. some trivia. Is there all kinds of stuff associated um, to this? Yeah, this movie was shot in about 30 days, and I, we Damn. mentioned at the beginning that he credited himself as Martin Quatermass for the, <laughs> uh, for the screenplay. Yes. And I said I would like, I'll come back to that. So Come back to it now. Quatermass is the name, it's an homage to Bernard Quatermass, who was the scientific character, the lead in the Quatermass experiment, which is a 1953 British science fiction horror movie that he super fucking loved. And So it's another nod. Yeah. It's not, there was like, a, I think a TV series, there were more movies, like they're really cool movies too. Okay. Um, so that was kind of a nod to, like, it's science and horror and religion. Like, it's Quatermass. Okay. Uh, so Carpenter, like I said, he, he said he wanted to make something that was more atmospheric and full of dread. And he that was kind of over the um, the paint-by-numbers horror that was happening. Because he kind of started that. Like, yeah. Halloween he definitely didn't gets want to credit be... with creating the slasher film, even right. though it didn't... <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre and um, 
by Christmas were earlier. That will. But Halloween always gets that's the credit. For an, that's another uh, conversation for another yep. day. Which is why he put the quantum mechanics and religion together in this movie. Because he's like, I've never seen that before. And the actual idea, the genesis for the film, came from his uh, former wife slash producer, okay. Deborah Hill. Okay, we talked about that. In, okay. Well, she didn't work on this movie. She did, um, like, she produced Halloween and helped him write Halloween. Like, Deborah Hill's, like, a big-time, important, not only producer in Hollywood. But also writer. But, like, a great, like, um, what's we're looking for? Like, the pinnacle of what a woman could do in Hollywood in the 80s. Like, right. she produced a lot of films and was pretty fucking great. But she had a, she had a dream of a dark figure exiting a church and woke up and it had scared the shit out of her. So they built everything and around that. She told Carpenter Use about it. Use it. And he later used it. And I think this was right around the time that she passed. Oh. So I think it was maybe a little bit after this. Yeah. Um, and Peter Jason. Well, that just brought it down. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Jason, who we talked about the front half, suggested yeah. that the seven people who returned from the dead should represent each one of the seven deadly sins. Okay. And Carpenter was like, that was a really good idea. However, we don't have time to rewrite this shit. Got it. So, no. I was just racking my brain going, what did I miss? Yeah. (laughs) Nothing. Um, The the church is St. Goddard's. Is that a real place? Uh, No. That's actually a... It was a church that got bought, and it is now a theater. Like, they do stage shows and stuff there. Cool. But St. Goddard's can be rearranged to anti-God. Ooh. So there you go. Ooh. And the the mirror ending with the... Yes. That is this, shown the in the... anti-God liquid child pulling his father through the mirror. Yes. That mirror was... That was done by... They drained the mercury out of a crane and then put it in a pool and then shot that and then carefully put the mercury back into the crane. So that was Mercury they were pulling oh. in and out of. Yeah, That's not something to mess around with. Well. But they, they did that. Welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> welcome to okay. low-budget Hollywood. I bet OSHA didn't know about that one. Uh, did you like this movie? I did like it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I thought movie, about it for a bit. This movie's good. I, yeah. John I liked Carpenter. it. It's weird. I never thought in a million years this would be our first John Carpenter film in a podcast of horror movies. But we liked it. But here we go. Would you watch this again uh, with the children? Uh, yeah, fuck, I'd watch this again in, in like a day or two. Yeah, I, I mean, I John Carpenter movies. But you have but, an entire room dedicated to John Carpenter. <laughs> to be fair, yeah, John Carpenter movies pre nineteen ninety four are pretty jam. rewatchable and really fun. And while not always the scariest, they're always really. Enjoyable. That's your jam, yeah. Yeah. Well, what are we doing next week? So we're doing a another John Carpenter movie. Oh I, yeah. Yeah, I haven't quite decided. I was leaning towards the thing, but I don't know if we're gonna do the thing because I kind of want to save it for something else. What? Okay. So, a thing, but a thing and a thing. Yeah. Are we watching the thing? I don't think so. We'll okay. see. We'll see. I haven't quite decided yet. As of the time of this recording, we will leave it. Fuck it. It'll be a surprise. All right. We'll, we'll let it we'll be let a surprise. You know. It's episode one hundred, by the way. What? It's a big one. Yay, that's our 
Okay. 100. More about that. 100. That's fucking crazy. It's going to get crunk, y'all. That's still a thing the kids say. No. Okay. Well then, until next week. <laughs> I'm Josh. And I'm Cindy. And I'm still his girlfriend. 100 Yay. episodes later. We love you. <laughs> <laughs>